What's up, fam? A few years ago. Oh, my bad. Welcome to the Mad Random Show with your boy Ed, episode 7. Alright, a few years ago, Anna and I, well, more than a few years ago, man, I think it was like um, almost 10 years ago, Anna and I went to Paris. And we went to the Louvre uh, Museum, and it was a, an amazing time. And I just wanted to talk to you quickly and thinking about that time about uh, the importance in uh, the Christian faith, embracing the art world or embracing our artists in our midst. You know, I remember walking through there and looking at some of the artwork and just, you know, in awe of the beauty of the work and the grandeur of the work. And I remember, I can't, there was one painting, it was like super celestial. And uh, I was telling Anna, I was like, there's a lot of theology in this painting. And Anna was like, you know, a lot of people didn't know how to read at that time. Art was a a medium uh, of the message. And it made me think now that if we could get some amazing artists on board um, in the faith community with social media, with the heightened sense of uh, consciousness and education mixed with the feeling you get when you look at something truly beautiful, I think, you know, this, we could... We can use art to help our uh, community of faith. I mean, look what's going on with Kanye. Look at his videos. Look at his songs. He's doing an opera. Like, in a few months, this guy's pushed the artist genre of Christianity further than it's been in decades. So I just hope this whole Kanye thing really sparks people. I remember this one painting. It was, like, Abigail offering King David bread based on the scene in the Bible in 1 Samuel. And it was just an amazing, beautiful picture. And, you know, the the crazy thing about the picture, um, I don't know if it was an Italian guy or a Spaniard guy, but King David looked like European, obviously, you know. Uh, King David looked like, to me, a little Spaniard. And, um, you know, and if we could have some artists that could express their faith and their culture... What was that movie, 21 Jump Street, where they had like a muscular Jesus, Korean Jesus? So I think that would be a good idea. And, you know, an art to teach. I, re- I remember uh, one of my favorite authors, his name, old school guy. I shouldn't even tell you his name because you're too little, but Clarence Larkin. And he used to, old school, like early 1900s, he was, I think he was out of Philly, Baptist brother. And he used to make these charts of the dispensations and these charts of uh, end times and these charts of the life of Christ and different charts. And they were super well done, beautifully sketched. Uh, Google it, Clarence Larkin's uh, charts. And it was such a great learning tool for me, you know, in, in learning the things of God. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. I think, you know, it's important that, you know, my son... And he, he's a good artist. I'm trying to get him to draw some things as an expression of his faith. But, you know, if we could show love, you know, it was, I think it was Apostle Paul said, show honor, honor first to the people of the faith. You know, so if we could show love to Christian, I don't even know who's a contemporary Christian artist. 
artists right now. I know one of Rob Bell's books, and I know he's like a heretic and everybody's mad at him, but before he, he went sideways with his theology, he wrote a book, I think about the stars, I forgot what it was called, but it was like one of those coffee table art books, and it was pretty fly. And, you know, I think we need more books like that. And, you know, shout out to Relevant Magazine. They're kind of in the art world. But if you know any really good artists, any good graphic artists, or, you know, I'm down to buy buy some artwork. You know, if you know the the next uh, Basquiat of the faith, you know, let me know. But, yeah, just want to think about that. Because, you know, as our, our taste evolves, you know, one of the things, the difference between us and, and like, the smartest animal, I don't even know what the smartest, like a badger or whatever, is that we could contemplate beauty. We could look at the sunset. Even though I heard it was an animal recently, I think bears have been known to look at sunsets. But, you know, we could, we could, we could look at the ocean, we could look at sunsets, we could look at the sky, and we could contemplate beauty, and, and we could learn so many different things about, from, uh, contemplation of beautiful things so yeah so let you know i think that's something that we can make a new wave um some some artwork and i know we got great graphic artists and we got great t-shirt makers and great people with flyers and website but i think if we can get some great framed art for and and start hashtagging and taking pictures of our stuff and making it a new wave i think that'd be an amazing thing all right Let's take a break. Let's take a pause for the cause. All right, hold on, I'm pressing. Hold on. Okay, so it's time for the sermon recap. Um, Sunday felt so far ago, far, far ago, far, far away. Uh, today's Black Friday. I'm recording, and um, so last Sunday I was trying to prepare the church for Thanksgiving and some of the drama that comes with being with your family. So I spoke a message called "Dealing with Family Drama Kingdom Style," and. Um, and, I, and, you know, in my intro, I talked about how a home could be a beautiful place or a battlefield. And um, one of the first few points, one of the first point I spoke about is how family drama can help us reach our destiny. And I shared the story found in Genesis chapter 28, verse 1 through 16, when Isaac blessed uh, Jacob and told him, you got to go. Um with Laban before Esau, your brother, your, your older brother by a few minutes, but bigger and stronger comes to get you. So because of drama, family drama dilemma, uh, Isaac had to leave. And in the midst of his journey, in verse 16, he has like a prophetic dream, a glimpse of destiny, like a, a portal in heaven where he sees the angels ascending and descending 
And he says in verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. And I share with the church that it was family drama that led him to that door of destiny. That sometimes problems precede portals. And it's in the place where we feel weak, wandering and wondering where God shows up and does wonderful things. In the place of tension, transition and trouble is a place where we can reach a new tier in our faith. So I was saying how sometimes family drama is not happening to you. It's happening for you because it brings you to a place of desperation. Uh, Sometimes isolation, it brings you to a place where you have no one to rely on but God. And that's where sometimes God shows up and and, and opens your eyes and and, and illuminates your soul. And so I also talked about do not let a, um, a flawed bloodline affect your sense of purpose and mission. Jesus came from a flawed flawed bloodline, Um, prostitutes, liars, different things. Like our bloodline, our family sometimes is a little crazy, right? And so I was talking about that. We can't let that stuff, like, you know, if you sit around your family table, like, oh, my God, like, how am I going to do great things when my uncles are do-do-do-do, you know, and how am I going to do wonderful things when my grandpa's crazy, you know, and my grandpa votes like this and sees things like this and is not politically savvy and uh, socially acceptable, but I just want to let you know that with God, you could do all things. I don't care about you. I love what Black Twitter says. I don't, I don't know if it's made up from the black Twitter community, but I've seen it from it. Uh, it says, I don't, I don't, I may not come from a rich bloodline, but a rich bloodline will come out of me. So another point uh, I spoke about was not letting uh, stigma hold you, hold you back. And um, if you love to read, like I love to read, and you are a follower of Christ, maybe you want to read the Anne Rice Out of Egypt book. Um, Christ the King out of Egypt or Christ the Lord out of Egypt and I talked about uh, the uh, social stigma the community uh, that Jesus and his family went through I also um, spoke about no I'm not going to say that that was long Uh, I'm trying to give you the fast version to remind your family of your commitment to the gospel, according to Matthew 12, 46 through 50, I was sharing with what Jesus was teaching, and they were like, yo, your mother and brothers are outside. And Jesus says, who is my mothers and brothers, but people who do the will of God? And um, that was a hard part, because, you know, that's when Jesus was like, I'm not going to be disrespected by nobody, my, my blood family or whatever. And he was trying to let his earthly ties know that they're not no longer superseding his spiritual ties and mission um so yeah so sometimes we got to remind our family tactfully um that we are servants of god that we're disciples um another thing i taught the church is don't always react but learn to respond with, with wisdom and talked about john chapter 2 with jesus Mother was trying to press him. They say they ran out of wine and he did his first miracle based on a little pressure from the family. Um, and I would, you know, and I also talked about um, John chapter 7, verse 1 through 16. His brother was like, you know, if you, if you, all this, you know, Messiah, why don't you go show yourself? in the festival and reveal yourself let everybody see your miracles you can't be famous if you're hiding and Jesus is telling him like now it's not the right time the world doesn't hate you the world hates me 
and he kind of finessed his brother, but that, you got to read that story to really understand. And, and his brother didn't really understand. His brother understood after the resurrection. This, the power of the resurrection brings revelation, but he didn't understand. Um, I also talked about protecting your family and how Jesus protected his mother in John chapter 19 in the, one of the last seven statements of Christ when he told, you know, Jesus' brother brothers, his not Jude and uh, James wasn't there, but his mother was there and John was there, his uh, disciple. And he told the disciple, this is your mother, told the mother, this is your, your son. And he merged his spiritual family with his physical family. Um, and so he, we have to learn to protect our family even when we're in pain and to honor our mother, even when sometimes our mothers are not acting honorable. And the last thing I talked about to the church is how we have to learn to forgive, ignore, and restore. And if you read on your own, like Google it, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, talks about Jesus, the uh, Mary, and the mother of Jesus and his brothers were in the upper room. And if you read James chapter 1, James is Jesus' brother, half-brother, you could say, and is the book of James open, says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren, counted all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So he says here, James, like, my name is James, and I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He never said, I'm Jesus' brother. Uh, and if you look at um, Jude, Jude was Jesus' brother. Jude, uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So, you know, you got to leave room for resurrection power to happen. You know, the brothers of Jesus and even the mother of Jesus gave him a hard time while he was doing his earthly ministry. But there's power in the resurrection and people can change. So, yeah, that was the sermon recap, dealing with family drama. And maybe you learned a thing or two. Let me know if... Uh, if uh, God opened your eyes in any way, and if you learned something, but I, I'm like two minutes over my time, uh, let's take a break to the next segment. Now it's time for the New York Jets report. I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but I'm saying they've been on the streak since I told y'all they're going to be on the streak. First, we started with the Giants, and then we beat the Redskins, and then we beat Oakland. We beat Oakland real bad. HBO should get a refund for that hard knocks. It was really bad. We put the beats on them. And now we're about to beat the Bengals. Uh, Andy Dalton's going to come back and get this smoke. Um, I think our safeties are too much. I think our DBs are going to have a really good game. I think we're going to blitz six, drop three with a, like a joker in the middle, like for the slants or what have you. Um, I think that's going to work. I don't, I, don't, I don't think the offensive line can handle... The pressure, and I think Andy Dalton needs a game or two to get back at that game speed muscle memory. So we're going to win this game, too. I'm feeling good. The Jets are doing good. 
I'm watching college football now while I'm studying. Is uh, Georgia beating Georgia Tech? Georgia Tech got the chubbiest punter I've ever seen in college football. Props to my man. He got a he got a full ride scholarship, and he's not missing no meals. Um, yeah, that's that's a little different. And uh, I'm looking forward to the Alabama game and all that good stuff. I went to the gym today. I'm trying to get into some two-in-touch football shape. But that's probably not going to happen. All right. Have a great one. I'm going to have two more segments. So uh, let's let's take a break. I'm going to tell you a crazy story. Before my first Sunday service at the recreation center we rented out, before we were meeting my mom's house or Jimmy's house, but our first service, we booked the training center. I think Pastor Cesar Podio, who was a powerful man of God, was like my first speaker. And we were living in this ghetto building. And there was a straight shootout in front of the building and in the hallway. You ever lived in an apartment building and you heard a gunshot in the hallway and you think they're shooting in your living room? Yeah. <laughs> Ethan's like, what? What kind of life you gave me? I'm calling ACS on you. Um, and then somebody got shot in the hallway. And I remember I was so tired. I was so scared. I was kept on checking the door to make sure it was locked, put like chairs at the door. And, um, and I remember I went to that first service. My eyes were like black. I was tired. And uh, yeah. And I'm going to tell you another story. One time we rented this little uh, bummy church on Broadway in, in uh, the hood in bed And I remember this place. It was under the train tracks. So when we would have service, we would have to like take a pause for the cause because the train was so loud. And these this place had rats the size of cats, like cat rats. Rats that ate cats in the back. So nobody wanted to go to the bathroom. And then one time my son Ethan was walking. I don't know. They had like a little back area. And um, he was like, mommy. He was like little. And then we looked at him. This kid was bleeding from behind his ear. We had to take him to the hospital. We were like, yo, Pete, uh, stay ready, brother. You got to preach. You got to be ready in season, out of season. We had to take my son Ethan. He was like a baby, a toddler, to get stitches. And that was like our second service in that place. So, um, yeah, crazy story. I'm going to have a crazy story time now on the podcast. Oh, I'll tell you one more crazy story. And Stacy from England can testify about this. Stacy, I hope you're listening. Shout out to the UK, by the way. Stacy wanted to be a missionary, right? And she came to, to North Brooklyn. And she came with me at Anna's place. And the first night, she stood in the living room. We had like an air mattress. or I think we had not even an air mattress. I think we had like a, a leather recliner, a leather recliner she slept on. And the first night, uh, I think I took Benadryl, right? And I fell asleep hard. I usually don't sleep that hard. And um, she said that this guy was getting beat up in front of the building. And he was getting stomped out. And then when he was on the floor, he was crying, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed. He wanted me to help him or go downstairs. His name was Carlos. 
Shout out to Carlos. I hope you were alive. I hope you got saved. Uh, I hope you went to a program and got your life together. But yeah, so Stacy's first night, she was trying to close the door and ignore put on headphones because she was too afraid to go outside. And she said that uh, she was calling me and I wouldn't answer. Me and Anna were too knocked out. So that was Stacy's first night in ministry in New York. She heard somebody get beat up outside her window and um, calling my name for help. And so, yeah, it was crazy times when I first started the church. And uh, I thank God for his grace and strength that got us through. And uh, yeah, a little crazy story for y'all. All right, peace. All right, for the last segment, I want to speak to you guys about uh, restoration and rejuvenation and and coming back to a place of faith. Uh, we're so fortunate in my church. We have a brand new family, and um, they were on hiatus with their faith, and they took some time away from the things of God for whatever reasons, various challenges and reasons, and um, now they're coming back to the things of God in our church, and you know, one of the things that I feel like it's so important is that we got to make it easy for people to come back home, uh, whether it's in the faith or whether it's in restoration and forgiveness and reconciliation and relationships. But, you know, we got to make it easy for people to come back home. You know, in the story of the prodigal son, one of the main components is that the father was outside waiting for the son and he ran to the son and quickly restored him. Uh, your pastor taught you all that already. But... You know, I just wanted to drop that seed in your heart. Maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're a friend from California or a friend from Connecticut and you find yourself in a situation where you haven't been in church in a while and you haven't uh, prayed and talked to God in a while. I just want to let you know, man, it's, it's not that hard. Uh, and, you know, if your last church, there was some drama and, and, a, and a, maybe a pastor was rude or mean to you, I, you know, I'm sorry you went through that. Um, but, you know, we just want to let you know that uh, God's grace is real, bro, and you don't have to run away from the things of God. You don't have to run away from your family. You don't have to run away from your calling. You don't have to run away from goodness. Um, you don't have to hide in isolation, waiting for things to get better to show back up. But, you know, sometimes, you know, in certain aspects of your life, restoration is a process. But re reconciliation with God, you know, it starts in a moment you really humble, humble yourself and uh, ask God to give you the strength to renew uh, your relationship with, with the Lord and, and re-jumpstart your journey. All right, so I just wanted to leave that, that encouragement with you. I pray that you're encouraged by this podcast and you're, you're encouraged in whatever stage uh, in your life you're in. And I have a song uh, for Ruben Stuttered called Running Back to You. And, you know, you can play it and just close your eyes and chill and listen to the words. And maybe it could serve as a catalyst for someone listening to re-jumpstart their faith. All right? All right. Peace. I hope you enjoyed episode seven. Uh, episode eight will be out next week, maybe, because you can't tell me what to do. But, uh, yeah, I want to encourage you, man. God bless. Have a wonderful day. All right?
Uh, and if you need, uh, if you're in New York, if you're looking for a church, message me. I know a lot of churches. I'm not just going to try to make you come to my church. I know a lot of churches. I know even better churches than mine. All right. So, um, and whatever, you know, just get closer to God, bro. And I, I feel when you put God first, you'll never be last. All right. God bless. Bye. Can you forgive me when I've often gone astray? How can you think of me when I do things my way? Turning my back on you, the one who loved me first. Having my own desire, renewing worldly thirst. Told me you love me, and I should make up my mind. You tell me come back now, but I keep wasting time, feeling so very weak. You say I can be strong, I feel I've gone too far. You tell me. Tell me you've been there and hold your name.